Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So Lord God, this morning we ascribe all greatness and glory and honour and power to you, Lord. Lord, you get all the glory. We don't want it, Lord. Lord, we don't want the recognition. We don't want anything. Lord God, we want you to have it all because you are God and you rule and you reign and you are the one who have lifted us up, Lord. You have lifted us up out of an unsafe place and set our feet upon a rock. And Lord God, you keep on doing it and you keep on doing it. And we trust you and we love you this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 May be seated this morning. Welcome, everybody. We do this short series in Term 4 across all our locations called At The Movies. It's at a time where, you know, um, we can start to feel a bit tired. We're headed towards the end of the year. And so this is like just a bit of fun, unless the preacher chooses two of the most intense movies that you've ever seen in your life, which is what I've done today. So um, it's really intense. So I just want to, like, disclaimer, if there's kids in the room, you might want them to go to kids' church right now. If you've been through any trauma, particularly as it relates to war or anything like that, you might like to close your eyes. You might want to go to the toilet um, when the clips come. So I just want to put that up front. Uh, You might have a lot of explaining to do if you stay in church. So we still preach from the Bible. In fact, I've got so much Bible to get through this morning that um, I'm not sure we'll get through it all. But our illustrations are from movies. And so uh, let's watch the screens. I've blacked out a few scenes. I might not have got them all. We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who the hell is Private Doss? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. Don't you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. Well, I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. She don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I'll be in love with you because you weren't like anyone else. They're saying you could go to prison. But I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. I'm going to get you home. Yeah, I agree, Mick. Great movie. Um, On April 1st, 1942, Desmond Doss joined the United States Army. Little did he realise that three and a half years later, 
He would be standing on the White House lawn receiving the nation's highest award for his bravery and courage under fire. Of the 16 million men in uniform during World War II, only 431 received the Congressional Medal of Honour. One of these was placed around the neck of a young Seventh-day Adventist, shout out to all the Sevies in the room, who during combat had not killed a single enemy soldier. In fact, he refused to carry a gun. His only weapons were his Bible and his faith in God. President Harry S. Truman warmly shook the hand of Corporal Desmond Thomas Doss and then held it the entire time his citation was read aloud to those gathered outside the White House on October 12, 1945. I'm proud of you, Truman said. You really deserve this. I consider this a greater honour than being president. The journey that had brought young Desmond to this day had been a challenging one. When Pearl Harbour was attacked, he was working at the Newport News Naval Shipyard and could have requested a deferment, but he wanted to do more for his country. He was willing to risk his life on the front lines in order to preserve freedom. When he joined the army, Desmond assumed that his classification as a conscientious objector would not require him to carry a weapon. He wanted to be an army combat medic. As luck would have it, he was assigned to an infantry rifle company. His refusal to carry a gun caused a lot of trouble among his fellow soldiers. They viewed him with disdain and called him a misfit. One man in the barracks warned him, Doss, as soon as we get into combat, I'll make sure you won't come back alive. His commanding officers also wanted to get rid of the skinny Virginian who spoke with a gentle southern drawl. They saw him as a liability. Nobody believed a soldier without a weapon was worthwhile. They tried to intimidate him, scold him, assign him extra tough duties and declared him mentally unfit for the army. Then they attempted to court-martial him for refusing a direct order to carry a gun. But they failed to find a way to toss him out and he refused to leave. He believed his duty was to obey God and serve his country, but it had to be in that order. His unwavering convictions were most important. Desmond had been raised with a fervent belief in the Bible. His fellow soldiers saw this Bible-reading Puritan as being totally out of sync with the rest of the army. So they ostracised him, bullied him, called him awful names and cursed at him. His commanding officers also made his life difficult. Things began turning around when the men discovered that this quiet, unassuming medic had a way to heal the blisters on their march-weary feet. And if someone fainted from heat stroke, this medic was at his side offering his own canteen. Desmond never held a grudge. With kindness and gentle courtesy, he treated those who had mistreated him. He lived the golden rule, do to others what you would have them do to you. Yes, there's vendors walking around with ice cream and it's free because it's at the movies. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> um, Desmond Doss lived with a conviction that was completely countercultural and he lived with that every day. He lived it in a felt way, not just a knowledge way. As God's people, those... Oh, wait, I just went into my own notes, stopped reading the biography. Okay, so Desmond Doss lived with a conviction that was completely countercultural, and he lived with that every day. Um, so I, I'm going to throw a few terms at you today. One is called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. This is a term that we're not necessarily familiar with, but it is a phrase that Jesus preached about more than anything else that he preached about, the kingdom of heaven. Now, um, kingdom is not a word that we tend to use in our 21st century. Are we still in the 21st century? Yes, great. Okay, cool. Um, 21st century, the millennium bug kind of really threw me. Um, the, the kingdom, like Daz and I have watched this series, I think it's okay to admit it, I'm trying to rack my brain. Anyway, Daz fast forwards every bad scene. So um, the last kingdom on Netflix about Vikings, it's way... Um, more tame than Vikings, Vikings. And, um, and it's just like all about the last kingdom, like the last English kingdom uh, and, and the way that that all came together. Uh, it, it's a phrase that we don't tend to use, but it's a rule and a reign 
That's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's a way of ruling and reigning. We just sang a song that said, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. And Jesus talked constantly about the kingdom of heaven and said that the kingdom of heaven has now come. It's now taken place among you. So if Jesus talked about this more than any other topic and he talked about it in a way that said it's now here, we should probably try to understand it. You see, we're not called to confirm culture or to listen to culture or to pay much attention to it. We're called to live completely countercultural, as countercultural as running into war without a gun. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not war is correct. We can talk about that later. That's a great morning tea topic. But we're called to bring kingdom culture. We're not called to conform to the culture, to confirm the culture, or even really to pay much attention to it. We're called as people who have decided to follow Jesus. And if you're not one of those, then this is a great information session for you on what people who have decided to follow Jesus are supposed to be doing. We are called to bring kingdom culture everywhere we go. And that's what Desmond Doss felt like he was doing. He was completely countercultural. Everything in the US Army was saying, you're a misfit, you shouldn't be here. And he was like, well, I've come to bring a culture that I know about to the army. And that's what I want to do. We're supposed to be bringers of kingdom culture. The kingdom culture is completely upside down. That's the first thing to note. It is upside down. Jesus said things like, in order to get your best life, you need to give yours away. It's better to give, he said, than to receive. And uh, has anyone, can anyone testify to that? <laughs> totally. We are um, on holidays recently with the Mackenzies and, and, and we noticed this table of um, people that we didn't know and they, were, they said grace like loudly. You know, those people like Daz says grace but with his eyes wide open and we don't hold hands and, uh, at, at, in public and um, we're praying for him with that. But um, these people, they're like all holding hands and they say grace and they said amen loudly in the restaurant and Daz just turned to me and went, Bron, go pay their bill. And it's really easy for Daz to do that because he has no idea about our finances. Um, and, and then I, I always do the big swallow and I'm like, oh, and, and then Phoebe was with me and she said, we'll go halves, we'll do it with you. And so we went and paid and, um, and we just went back to our table and kept eating and drinking. And then um, what happened next was that they went to pay. And so we're doing this sly little look out the corner of our eye. And um, we didn't know that the person was going to point us out. But next thing, next minute, they're all over with us. They're all like hugging us, introducing themselves, like taking selfies with us. And man, it was way better to give than to receive. And um, I said, our bill hasn't been paid yet. Um, <laughs> I did not. Um, this, this kingdom culture is upside down. It is pray for your enemies. It is bless those who curse you. It is, it is upside down. And, and it's intense. It's upside down. But that's what God calls us to. Let's read Matthew 5, 11. It says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Now, just quick note, it doesn't say God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you're a jerk. Doesn't say that because just stop being a jerk if you're a jerk. It's saying because you are my followers. It says this, be happy about it. Be very glad. Come on, somebody. Who's glad today that you got mocked and persecuted? Liars. Okay. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Now, let me just point this out. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. This is our Western mindset that, that heaven is one day out there somewhere. 
The verse in the actual Greek does not say awaits you in heaven. It says the heavens have great things for you. And that's talking about the here and now, the here and the right now, because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has come. Now, maybe that's the case also. So great, we won't say that that's wrong, but but it, it doesn't say that in the Greek. It says heaven now is here and it has great things awaited for you. And it says, and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in that same way. God's kingdom is upside down. You get hated on, you get happy. You get persecuted, you start praising. You, you, get, you get mocked and scoffed at. You don't mock and scoff back. Anyone got a quick wit who could mock and scoff back really easily? You shut that thing down and you bless. That's what we're supposed to do. God's kingdom is upside down. Now, the other thing is, is God's kingdom is inside out. It's inside out. Let me read you this scripture in verse 21 of the same chapter. It says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 27, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Anyone, head out to morning tea with a wrench and just like, like... And it's going to walk around like this for the rest of the day. Like, like okay, let's just, let's just say we are all guilty, right? Romans says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I, I just want to make note here for a second. I, I once, you know, I grew up in a, in a church that I absolutely love and I'm completely grateful for, but it was very legalistic. And I remember hearing about grace for the first time. And going to a pastor in our church and saying, can you tell me about grace? And they said, oh, yeah, grace. It's harder under grace. Because under the law, you could only commit murder. But under grace, you can't even get angry at somebody. I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) What am I going to do? Grace is the free, unmerited favour of God that is available to every person through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace is what God gives us even though we don't deserve it. Grace is the forgiveness of God freely given and paid for by Jesus on the cross. If you you fit into these categories, I want to tell you today that you are under grace if you would decide to access it. God has already forgiven you. He's already paid for your sins. And so what is this talking about? This is talking about an inside out kind of living. It's saying, don't get into behavior modification, get into inward transformation that causes you to live in a way that is just, oh God, whatever you want, that's what I want. Is it best for me to live without anger? Then I want to do away with anger. Is it best for me to do without lust? Then I want to do away with lust. Is it best for me to not be contemptuous? Then Lord, help me to not be contemptuous. That is what this passage is talking about. It's saying the kingdom culture comes inside out. It starts in and it leaks out. Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup, but you leave the inside dirty. But there's something that happens when we get the inside clean. Somehow the outside just splashes around and it gets clean as well. And that's what God does for us. He wants to have kingdom culture leak out of us as we press in. So how do we do that? Let's read a little bit further. Well, actually, let's go back in the passage. This is how Jesus starts the whole sermon. He says, God blesses those who are poor. 
and realise their need for Him. Poor in spirit, another version puts it. God blesses those who realise that without Him, they can't get it done. That without Him, they can't change themselves. That they've tried to modify their behaviour again and again, but they keep going back to old patterns again and again. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is not behaviour modification. This is an inward transformation that only God can do and that we lean into, that we sow into that, that we lean into that. We don't go, well, I'm going to be really good over here and and I hope that God accepts me. It's no like, God, I need you. I recognise my need for you. And now I just want you to clean me up. And then from there, we allow Him to do the work that He wants to do in us. And He changes out His eyes and He changes the way we feel about things and He cleans us up from the inside out. Cleaning up the outside is not compelling because the inside always leaks out. Have you ever known someone, and I think that that's part of why the church isn't as compelling as we should be, is because people look at us as people who are trying really hard not to do the wrong thing rather than people who have just been so transformed from the inside out that we can't help but do the right thing. And we get it wrong regularly, but we admit to that and then we try and do better and we go again. I feel like that would be way more compelling than just people who cleaned up the outside and looked good. How are you going today? Praise the Lord. Great. Yeah, I'm awesome. 33 of, I think, chapter 6. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This is a stirring up of the inside that I'm going to seek after you, Lord. Verse 44 of a chapter in Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. What has that got to do with Desmond Doss and Hacksaw Ridge? You see, I think that Desmond Doss could not possibly have outworked what he did with just a behaviour modification of this is who I'm supposed to be. But it was this inward transformation and the desire to be everything that God wanted him to be that allowed him to suffer persecution, to suffer being mistreated and to go after God with everything he had and have the kind of impact that he had. We've got two more clips now that we're going to watch back to back. One is from Hacksaw Ridge again and one is from Schindler's List. You're welcome. Be quiet, just be quiet. 
Hold still now. Ooh. I got you. Hold tight. There you go. Try now. Try now. I thought it was blind. Give it down. Can you walk? Oh. out of time. Um, Schindler's List, uh, that's enough. That was amazing. Um, the final thing about the kingdom culture is it's eternity now. It's eternity now. You know, it's not we go somewhere one day and then eternity starts after everything here wraps up for us. It's eternity right now. And, and, and Desmond Doss, like, please, Lord, let me get one more. This was not out of a guilt-ridden manifestation of trying to pay his way somewhere. It was not, you know, sometimes I feel like Christianity seems like a pyramid scheme where you've got to go out and save some people so you get a better reward in heaven one day. Now, it's from a conviction that is I need to save you because your life can start right now. Your real life can start right now. It's like when the guy was in the trench and, and he's like, he's thinking that he's blind. He's thinking that life is over for him. And Desmond Doss pours his canteen of water over his face and, and the guy says, I can see, I can see. And that's Desmond Doss's motivation is that his life would start now, that his life would be saved to 
be and accomplish all that God would have him be and accomplish in his life. And that is the same for us. It's not that we're trying to save people one day from a lost eternity, though 100%, yes, let's please do that. But let's not do it out of guilt. Let's do it from the point of view that God wants to set people free to live the life that He wants them to live right now. It's a clearing of blind eyes. It's a rescuing of people now. It's not guilt-driven. It's urgency, but without panic. It's knowing that we aren't the Saviour of the world, but we are the light and the salt of the world. And it is incumbent upon us to share with others what has been birthed in us. And that's why it's so important that it be birthed in us, that the kingdom of heaven be birthed in us, that it not isn't just this behaviour modification and I hope I'm good enough, but a, oh my God, I can see. And now I want other people to see as well. I'm running out of time, so I'm getting faster. I, I'm aware and louder. Okay, one last scripture. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, they exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? The farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he said. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and then put the wheat in the barn. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants good seed. The field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will remove from His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. People who are of the kingdom's job is simply to keep on sowing wheat. Not to go around and decide who's in and who's out and to uproot people because the Bible says that that is God's job at the end of the age. It is simply our job to keep on sowing seeds of the kingdom in the lives of people around us. It's not for you to decide that I'm in and you're out or that you're in and I'm out. It's not for me to say, well, that person's behaviour isn't lining up with what I think it should. It's for us to allow what Jesus says here to grow together and that He'll sort it out in the end. So our job is simply to keep on loving Keep on being life, keep on being light and keep on sowing seeds of the kingdom with conviction like Desmond Doss. Not people who are just like, oh, I probably should do this. But people, the kingdom is alive in us and we want to go for it. We want to see people live the life that God wants them to and live the eternal life that God wants them to. That is our job. That is what He wants from us. Let's do it in Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.